and welcome to episode 104 of the Sports and Spirituality Show, brought to you in part by our friends at the Fairfield County Sports Network and Price Custom Homes. Our friends, Greg and Mitch Price, have been building homes for 50 years. They would love to help you build your next home. You can get more information by going to their website, PriceCustomHomes.com. Thank you, Greg and Mitch Price, for sponsoring the Sports and Spirituality Show here um, and a special thank you to Mike O'Reilly, 88.9 Radio for Life, for broadcasting every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. It is our honor and privilege to bring you the Sports and Spirituality Show here on this platform. My name is Steve Rowan. Our regular co-host is a, a young lady who can uh, maybe smell uh, like a uh, Christmas treat. But she also squeaks when she walks because she's so tight. Uh, she has uh, the middle name of Scrooge. And uh, she um, can be a little bit of a Grinch from time to time. <laughs> Not stealing gifts from children, uh, but just kind of a, oh, I don't know, a, a Debbie Downer or a Negative Nancy. But her name is Kelsey Bull. She's with the Tree Young Adults, and she is joining us for episode 104 of the SAS. So welcome back, kid. Hi, Steve. Uh, how you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Are you? Yeah. Okay. Now, your kids aren't fine, I understand. Yeah, something's going on with Luce. I'm thinking, suspecting an ear infection. I see. Yes. Now, you told me before we went on the air that, that Lucy and Wade kind of trade back and forth being sick. Yes. I, I genuinely think that one of them has been sick every week for maybe going on two months. Two months. Yep. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I, I believe this because you and I have uh, chatted, uh, obviously, uh, on and off the air yes. about these kinds of things, yes. and it seems like uh, maybe longer than two months. Not not yeah. every week, but uh, yeah. on a pretty regular basis, but mm -hmm. um, the, uh, you have lots and lots of um, uh, friends who are also parents. Are they experiencing the same kind of thing when you have multiple children? It seems like somebody is sick on a pretty regular basis. Yes, I think it's pretty normal. I think there's an age range, and I think my kids, both of them, are just smack in the middle of that because I have been told and encouraged that it gets easier as your children get older, um, and so I am hopeful that uh, we will be out of it eventually. Yes. You know, yes. we're coming up on the Christmas season, the gift of giving, and it seems like kids give the gift of sickness uh, year-round. Now, part of that is they're in daycare. I think Lucy's uh, in kindergarten. Yes. And so they're around other kids, and these are the kinds of things that happen. Yep. Um, and maybe a rite of passage as a parent <laughs> or, or, or a kid uh, yes. to go uh, through this kind of thing. So how are you managing uh, that pro part of the process? It depends on the day. Yeah. Yeah, some days I don't manage yeah. it well. Yeah. Yes. You know what um, that means? What? You know what that means about you? What? That means you're a human being. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. what it means. Yes. I was just telling friends yesterday, I said, it's just such an emotional roller coaster with sick kids because you're sad for them. You're scared for them, especially at certain ages where they, you know, you don't feel like they can communicate everything to you yes. um, as clearly or as accurately as you want. Um you know, you're tired from loss of sleep, from the emotional roller coaster. You're also frustrated and angry because that means change of plans and sometimes big plans, sometimes little plans. And that's exhausting. And you're managing the, do I need to call the doctor? Do I need to uh, let the school know after school program or sitters? You know, like there's just such a, like I need to change their bedding and it's just all the list this, goes on and on. All of this while trying to work. All of this while trying to still be a human being, while still trying to parent my other kid, while still trying to be a good wife to my husband, while, yes, being um, a good employee, being right. a good friend and relative to others. Like, also, we're in Christmas season, which brings on much more responsibilities and things right. to be thinking about and considering. And, um, it just yeah it's a lot and so some days um i feel like i manage it pretty well and um keep a smile on my face and you know recognize that as you love for me to say it is what it is and we just keep moving on no uh -huh. i don't love that <laughs> Um, but other days I get really bummed and I get really grouchy and um, it is tough. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I can imagine that part. Mm -hmm. The grouchy part. Yeah, sure. Because you called me a Grinch. I did. (laughs) I did call you a Grinch. And is that true? I don't know. Yeah, it is true. (laughs) Why is it true, Well, you just admitted it. You said I get grouchy. Yeah, but does that make me a Grinch? If I'm grouchy in June, am I a Grinch? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a persona uh, oh, that you okay. carry. Now, I would say one area in particular you're not a Grinch. Okay. Okay, and that is the fact that his heart grew three times larger. <laughs> Yours never has. It's as black as night. Got it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, what about Scrooge? Uh, you uh, are you a bum? Bum? What? What is a bum? I, I can't even think of what it is right now. I don't bah even... Humbug is what oh, I was trying to say. Oh, oh, oh. Bah Humbug is just kind of his uh, line when uh, people would try to celebrate Christmas. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know why I was really struggling with that there. Uh, That's okay. Are you one of those gals? I don't think so. You don't? No. I'm actually currently grouchy because we have not had a chance to decorate for Christmas. You know what? And I really wish our house was decorated for Christmas. We decorated the church. I work at the tree church. We decorated the church earlier this week. And it is the best. It feels so cozy and festive. And I just want to hang out there all the time. (laughs) I'm like, can we decorate the... I I don't want to leave Christmas decorations up year round. But I'm like, can we decorate festively for every season? Yeah. Yeah. And you're thinking... um, I'm going to work, and, yeah. and Josh is like, you don't need to go to work. You're off today. No, I just want to go work. I'm going to go sit decorate. by our fireplace exactly. and our big Christmas tree. Exactly. And, yeah. You know what? <laughs> you and I have had uh, very uh, mirrored lives. Yes. Um, and the same here at the Rao House. You know, we're uh, in transition here to yes. the Rao House. And so um, my wife put a few decorations out last night. We don't have our tree up yet. We're mm-hmm. hoping to get that done maybe this weekend. Um, mm-hmm. it's, uh, and I'm like, wow, how did that happen? Well, mm-hmm. uh, life happens yes, that way. It does. When you have lots of things going on, you know, typically we've been the family that, that puts our tree up on Friday or Saturday after Thanksgiving. Yes. Uh, and uh, that's a swing and a miss. Uh, we have I done know. That. I love that's my ideal time. Um, I think this year I could have done with Christmas going up even the weekend before Thanksgiving. But I don't remember how much we talked about this last week. But Thanksgiving weekend is. Um, there's a lot of great things going on in our lives. It's Thanksgiving. It's also typically the weekend of my daughter Lucy's birthday, and it's the big Ohio State-Michigan game. And so with those three things happening, adding Christmas decorating just doesn't always happen or get right. done. Yes. Yes. Yes, so we have had uh, that struggle as well. Uh, now, uh, do you sometimes uh, smell sweet like uh, Christmas candy or cookies? I mean, I hope I smell good. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't what I was asking. Uh, I was asking okay. about you know Christmas cookies or candy. Okay. And, any of that? Sure, maybe you have, you depending have on the scent of the day. <laughs> yeah, the scent of the day. Uh, is that uh, what's it called? Uh, scent du jour? Is it called? Is that I don't what that know is? what you're saying. <laughs> the the restaurant know. they have soup du jour, which is the soup of the day. Oh. oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so do you have a, a scent du jour? Um. I've never <laughs> called it that, so I'm going to go with no. Come um, on, let's go with yes. Uh, this is how things get started. Okay. I think you and I could start this sentence uh, <laughs> short thing. What I do you don't think? think I need credit for that one. It's all you. <laughs> you are not giving me credit. You're trying to give me the blame. Sure, yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, my husband does work for Bath and Body Works, and graciously we get a yeah. ton of products that we um love to give away and share with family and friends and yeah there's all kinds of scents yeah yeah excellent so here's what i need you to do okay. uh, when you see josh say hey josh i have a great idea for your company oh. uh, they ought to have the uh scent du jour okay uh and um, he can submit that idea uh he can receive <laughs> special sure. credit for that maybe a financial gift um, <laughs> for coming great. up with this brilliant idea <laughs> okay okay yeah so i'll let are him you know. do that yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll make on. sure he listens to this episode. Yeah. Okay, yeah. very good. Mm-hmm. Make sure he listens. Yes. And uh, so I'm telling you, Josh, uh, sent du jour. Yeah. Uh, you want to submit that Let's idea. Make sure du jour means of the day. <laughs> no, don't don't worry about that. <laughs> just do. Just turn it in uh, <laughs> as uh, we have this new line of products, um, and so you get a new scent. Let's say every week, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, for an eight week period of time, you get. 
scent du jour. You get the scent of the day or scent of the yeah. week. What do you think? Yeah, I wonder if Bath and Body Works has thought about like those subscription boxes where yeah. like you send them at um, different frequencies. Yes. And yeah, that sounds and great. And the name of that program needs to be? Scent du jour. Exactly. Yeah. Very sure. good. Well, but hopefully du jour doesn't mean of the day. <laughs> we we, we, <laughs> we don't know. We've created something wonderful here. Yeah. This is like a think tank uh, <laughs> podcast uh, yeah. that we have going Which right here. Which company um, wants to hire us? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Let marketing. us know. We're <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, send us an email, a text, We're open message. to consulting <laughs> Right. <laughs> for we, a fee. We would be happy to sit down with the Bath and Body Works people. <laughs> Because uh, we're just full of, it, uh, uh, full of good ideas. We're full of yeah, it. Right, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. So you mentioned <clears throat> the Ohio State. I did. Game. Steve, what happened, what I thought was going to happen, happened. Yeah, tell me that. I predicted it. The game came down to, like, what felt like the last play, right? It was. And um, I said to Josh, he's going to choke. And he's so going to you. turn it over. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, sure. Why did you put that in the atmosphere? Okay, I'm not saying he's a bad quarterback. He is not a bad quarterback. I Kyle agree. McCord, fine. He's he's, he's, he's good. He's, he's good. very good. He's very good. He's, I, I don't want to say he's fine. I'm so sorry. He, he's not great, but he's very good. He's very good. And I think why he is not great to me as someone who has been accused of not being a real fan. No, it's the truth you're not a real fan. <laughs> well, I will say I'm not Kyle McCord's fan. Yeah. Um, I think what would take him to great is if he were more consistent. Right. I don't think he's consistent. Yeah. And um, therefore, I feel like he's not reliable. Now, to be completely fair, I don't think games, I don't believe games are won and lost in one play. I think that they are won and lost as a team throughout the whole whatever. Um, there's something about, like, I don't recall the details, as I'm sure you recall all of the details in this moment. Yeah, I don't yeah. recall the details. If we would have been able to have timeouts, I think it could have been a game changer, but we had to use them earlier. There, so there were a lot of factors that were not Kyle's fault. Um, however, if he would have made that play... It could have been a different outcome. It's exactly right. Um, Thank I'll, you I'll so give, much. I'll give you a couple of details. And by the way, <laughs> uh, I am impressed with your analysis there uh, for two or three reasons. One, mm -hmm. you mentioned team failure, and there are lots and lots of plays you could look at uh, throughout the game. Yes. But at the end, when Michigan had the ball with like eight minutes to go and they were marching down the field, yes. the defense did not stand up and stop them. Yes. Get them three and out to give us more time mm -hmm. to go down so we're not in this hurry-up mode mm -hmm. and crisis moment. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's a fail there. Um, uh, we didn't get a lot of pressure on J.J. McCarthy, and that was a fail, um, I, I believe. Um, in uh, we, we hit him a few times, but not the amount of pressure we needed to put on him. I believe Kyle McCord is actually a better quarterback than J.J. McCarthy. The numbers proved it. He threw for more yards, threw for more touchdowns. Going into the game, they had thrown for the same number of interceptions. Mm -hmm. And so he's a better quarterback, mm -hmm. except J.J. McCarthy ends up winning the game and looks better because he didn't have the turnovers. Right. Um, and so... But so, but we didn't get to him. Uh, that's a fail. Uh, our linebacker, um, uh, Steel Chambers, was in on so many plays. I thought he played great. Tommy Eichenberg, I happen to think, is the best linebacker, and I don't think he had a very good game. There was a couple of times where uh, uh, an offensive player juked him pretty bad, and uh, he uh, ended up looking uh, looking pretty silly. I don't think he played up to his potential, and so that was a problem. On that last play. The line did not protect Kyle McCord. The reason why that football was intercepted was because somebody hit his arm. So he ended up not getting the full uh, strength on the throw. So that's not just Kyle McCord. Um, that is the offensive line not protecting him well enough that he could have made a clear throw. We were marching down the field. I got to tell you, when they got the football back, when they held them to a field goal, were down six. Um, we get the football back with a minute to play. I'm like, it's the Notre Dame game. Yeah. 
He's going to march down the field. He's already done this before. He passed that test. He passed the Penn State test and other tests throughout the year. This is his next. This is the final exam. Right. And he is going to kill it. And we start marching down the you field. You thought he was going to do it? I did. I did not. I knew. I did. No. I thought this is exactly because <clears throat> I was at B-dubs and there was not very uh, good energy in the room. Yeah. Um, and people were uh, pretty deflated. I, in my mind, I'm like, wait, we've seen this movie before. Um, we end up winning that thing. Uh, let's, uh, let's support the guy. The first couple of plays, we're gaining 10 yards and 12 yards. We're marching down the field. Yep, this is going to happen. We got like 38 seconds left to go in the game, and uh, <clears throat> we're marching down the field. This is going to happen. Uh, we're going to win this thing. And uh, uh, then literally all of the air went out of the balloon uh, when that pass was intercepted. Yep. Now, uh, you said something else earlier that I thought was very insightful. Oh, thank you um, so much. <laughs> you said um, that um, he was not consistent. Yes. And that's absolutely the case. There were many throws, even in that game, that were yes. really, really good. He threw the one to, uh, to uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, was a tremendous pass. Um, he had a great rollout uh, to a bouquet uh, for a touchdown. It was, it was a great pass. Mm -hmm. He had other uh, passes that were really, really, really good. Then he has those ones where he throws it at their feet or throws it way over their head. Right. Uh, and now what we don't know is what, did the receiver run the wrong route? Right. We don't know that, but that particular right. throw looks bad right. on him, right? Yes. And so, uh, you know, overthrows him. But here has been my criticism of Kyle McCord all year long. Mm -hmm. And I didn't play quarterback. No. Uh, so um, he's a thousand times better than I'd ever be. Yes. But it, one of the things that he doesn't do well is he doesn't look off his receiver. Mm. And what I mean by that is, hey, we're going to call blue 48, uh, check right, um, which is throw the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr., mm -hmm. okay? So he takes the snap, he finds out where Marvin Harrison Jr. is, he's watching him the whole time, and then he throws it to him. That first interception, mm -hmm. if you watch the replay, mm -hmm. you'll see that. He takes the snap, looks directly at Marvin Harrison Jr., and then throws it to him. Well, guess what the defender knew? He he's, was throwing it to him. He's going to stare down the guy he's going to throw, throw it to. to. So I'll just guard my guy, right. and then I'll just take the, the football right. uh, instead of him taking the football. Now, he may have thrown it a little bit behind him. If he throws it ahead of him, maybe something different happens. I don't know. But staring down the receiver, he's done it all season long, and quite frankly, predominantly with Marvin Harrison Jr., who is an outstanding athlete. He's going to go in the, probably in the top five, maybe in the top two or three uh, in the NFL draft. Not going to come back to Ohio State, and that's very sad uh, for us uh, Buckeye fans. You're not a fan, but it's very sad for the real fans um, <laughs> of uh, Ohio State football that he's not going to be uh, catching any more footballs for Ohio State. At least that's my uh, understanding, and quite frankly, most people's prediction uh, that that's the case. Um, but he just stares down the receiver, and you can't do that. These guys are too good. Right. They're on scholarship, too. Right. Uh, and uh, uh, you've got to look away. So if you know Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to your left, you've mm -hmm. got to take the football and look to the right. There might not even be anybody over, over there. there. right? But you, you've yeah. got to draw the defender away for a half a second, mm -hmm. turn, throw, um, then you're going to be a lot more successful. Yeah, and you know what I thought? we did pretty well at least on a few drives i thought we ran the ball well <coughs> so then it felt like why are we going back to these inconsistent throws when i feel like our running game actually had momentum i don't know i don't know and again you know yeah you could argue i'm not a fan but i feel like i paid attention yeah, you did you, you enjoyed the game at a higher level okay. than you do the others uh, <laughs> but it's another great observation on your part i will say our running game is uh, was struggling throughout the year yes. got better yes. and better travion henderson was doing a great job as we got later into the year mm -hmm. really he was he was playing very very well and and had a pretty good game mm -hmm. there um you wouldn't probably know this or care to know this but in the last 22 football games, Ohio State versus Michigan. Mm -hmm. The last 22 games. Mm -hmm. Before Saturday, the last 21 games. Mm -hmm. Now, the last 22 games. The team that rushes for the most yards wins. wins. So, to your point, you didn't know that stat. No. But to your point, you think, hey, maybe we put a little more energy on the run game. On the game. run game, yeah. Because if we can outgain them on the ground, we're probably going to win. Yeah. Um, and 
Michigan out outrushed us. Yep. And they get the victory. So uh, it, it's a, a very valid point that you make uh, that we we got away from that moment mm-hmm. and um, uh, <clears throat> probably. Um, now, <clears throat> how do you feel mm-hmm. uh, as a non-fan uh, about Kyle McCord coming back next year and being your quarterback uh, for uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes? I feel fine. I think that he is, as we've already said, very good. I think that another year of development, I have no idea what his offseason looks like, but I do think that um, my hope is that he would just be better, that these experiences um, would truly uh, grow him and shape him. And so I and I feel like we've seen that. I feel like that is what college athletics is about. Um, and so to some degree, I'm I'm excited for his return because he has experience. He has um, a resume. He has, um, you know, but also like, I, we'll just see. We'll see how he does. Michigan had, I think, 42 or 44 seniors on their roster. Oh, wow. Yes. So, to your experience point, right. he has it. Oh, by the way, he played 12 games this year and won 11 of them. I know. Yeah. And that's what I, even like, you know, in Ohio State, um, if you are an Ohio State fan, you are you are very aware of the, um, I can't even imagine the pressure that's put on the head coach. So, even the conversation about Ryan Day and are we should we uh, should Ryan Day be fired because he can't beat Michigan uh, he's beat Michigan once to he be did. fair right exactly. but his now now his record is 1 in 4 1, one in 3 1 in 3 yeah great um you know and i just i like Ryan Day um but i feel like people either love or hate the ohio state coach if you're an ohio state fan i would say i i like him a lot um i do too and i don't think that he should be fired Amen. Again, he's won eleven of twelve games this he's season. Won, uh, <clears throat> he, he's fifty-six and seven in yeah, his coaching time at Ohio State. Yes, yeah, that and is those seven losses. So why would we? Three and of them I understand. I understand the Michigan game is yeah. a big deal. Yeah, three of those seven losses are yeah. to Michigan, and right? So four other losses, and those other losses, two or three of them are in um, in the college football playoffs. Oh, that's insane! It is. Yeah, I'm. I lo- I like Ryan Day. One of my favorite things on game day is looking at pictures of him and his kids. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen these, but I every week love to like see what he's wearing and what his daughter is wearing, and I think they're so cute. He's a great guy. A uh, great family man. Mm-hmm. He has a passion for those who are struggling with mental health mm-hmm. issues. Mm-hmm. He gave a million dollars to start an endowment to help those who have mental health struggles. Come on. Uh, he's a great guy. The dude's lost seven games, and I know he's lost seven of the wrong games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that. Um, but um, two of those were in uh, championship time. Mm-hmm. Uh, three of those were in He does need to fix that mm-hmm. and figure that out. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fire Ryan Day people, I think, are absolutely wrong mm-hmm. um, because you got to be careful what you wish for because mm-hmm. you could get somebody who has no idea uh, what they're doing or to the level that they need to right. and you're not guaranteed a victory anyway right uh, yeah. so yeah well we've got to get to our guest for this episode speaking of coaches so why don't we talk to a hall of fame coach next here uh, on this episode 104 as we promised our guest is joining us on the sports and spirituality show podcast he is hall of fame coach chris kern welcome to the sports and spirituality show coach thank you very much for having me steve uh, it is a pleasure to have you joining us uh, first of all let's learn a little bit about chris kern where are you from originally I grew up born and raised in Lancaster. Um, my family, part of my family is still there, so that's a big part of what I was doing. Um, in my in my high school coaching days, I worked at Columbia Gas for 21 years and then took over the collections at Time Warner, um, Wow Cable, Insight Cable, um, when Columbia Gas was bought out. And then, uh, you know, had a few high school jobs along the way. Um, actually became the winningest high school coach of all time, and the next day um, took a college coaching job at West Virginia State University. Um, stayed there six years, um, the winningest percentage uh, 
um, coach ever at West Virginia State, the highest winning percentage ever. Um, and then last January, took over at uh, NAIA Division One school in Pikeville, Kentucky. Um, inherited a team here with four wins, and we won 20 this year. So um, got a little bit of a reputation for turning around programs, but um, in general, 42 years of coaching so far. 42 years. They let you start as a five-year-old? <laughs> I, uh, I wish it was that way. But, uh, <laughs> seems like it's been uh, it's so funny. Like I, I'll say on Facebook, happy birthday to one of my former players, and I call them by their jersey number. I can remember every jersey number of every kid for 42 years. And a lot of my players um, ask, how do you remember that stuff? Now I can't remember people's names that I met this morning, but numbers are something I've been good with. But um, it really seems like yesterday I started at Worley High School in Columbus, a small Catholic school, and didn't know one thing about volleyball and, and now have 909 wins. How about that? That's great stuff right there. So you, you're from the Lancaster area. We record this podcast um, in Lancaster, Ohio, Central Ohio area. And uh, there's a guy that played football here named Rex Kern. Have you heard of him? Yeah, I've heard of him a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his dad and my dad are cousins. I'm second cousins to Rex. And uh, it's interesting getting in the Hall of Fame in Lancaster now. My picture will be up on the wall. And Rex... Kern's picture is already up there. So, um, my brother was on the state championship team, uh, track team in 1980, and that picture's on the wall. So, um, I remember when Connor was little, we'd walk the hallways when I was coaching at Lancaster, and he wanted, wanted me to tell him stories about Rex. And um, one day, Trent Kern, Rex's dad, um, I had called and said, Do you have any memorabilia from Rex? And Trent called one Sunday and asked me to stop by with Connor after church. I thought he was going to give me football cards. And here Rex had flown in from California just to meet my son. And uh, that was still, um, that's still a day Connor has never forgotten. Rex signed a jersey, a number 10 Buckeyes jersey for Connor. And it was one of the biggest days as a parent um, to see the joy that Connor had meeting Rex Kern. Yeah, that's good stuff right there. Uh, for our uh, podcast partner here, Kelsey Bowl, she wouldn't have any idea. But Rex Kern was an no. outstanding quarterback at Lancaster High School, uh, helped the Ohio State University um, win a national championship, and uh, uh, he's gone on to great success. And so um, he was just really, really uh, outstanding athlete. Sounds like maybe the athletic gene runs pretty deep in the Kern family. Um, and uh, <clears throat> so uh, – you mentioned Connor. I believe that's one of your sons. Is that correct? Yeah, my only son. He is uh, now a graduate of uh, the Citadel Masters of Business School. Um, he played on the state championship teams at Pickerington Central. Um, he went Division One from there to Arkansas State in the Sun Belt. Graduated early um, with his bachelor's, went on and transferred to the Citadel um, got one of the best MBAs in the world. Um, still holds the record for three pointers in a game. Um, Division one at the Citadel. Started out one game with ten three pointers, and uh, w was quite a shooter, um, quite a basketball player. But more importantly, raised him in the church at Fairfield Christian Church. He made his first basket on the carpeted gym floor at Fairfield Christian Church, <laughs> and then you know, ten years later, he's um, playing on ESPN every week. So, yeah, he's quite an accomplished basketball player, but more importantly than that, he takes mission trips. He leaves actually Thursday next week um, to go to Cambodia for three weeks to a month, does a lot of mission work. So I'm really proud of his heart, um, and his faith definitely comes before his athletics. Yeah, well, sounds like he's a pretty good athlete as well. Um, and uh, staying in the Kern family and athletes, there's a kid named Casey Kern that does a lot of officiating. Any relation there? Yeah, well, sometimes we don't claim him. Um, <laughs> he he has taken Connor to the dark side refereeing. <laughs> they, they were the they were two of the most hated people by referees. And now they're both refereeing, and they walk in the gym. People can't believe it. And they, they actually have their first game together on December 22nd. So 
So trust me, I'll be in the I'll be in the stands for that for sure. Yeah, you know, Casey Casey's a wonderful dad. Um, he has you know he's reached the highest levels of officiating um, in volleyball and basketball. Was my assistant coach for years at Lancaster, um, but now his daughter is a seventh or eighth grader at Thomas Ewing, and she's really a good volleyball player. And his son Cam is. Uh, really really a good athlete so he's able to give them um, a lot of instruction and a lot of direction with what he did and people don't remember Casey was the point guard on Jack Greathouse's first basketball team at Lancaster and then Casey went on to play baseball and basketball at Mount Union so the uh, the athletic gene is definitely there yeah uh, no question about that Uh, um, is uh, do you have any other children I don't. Connor's my only okay. child. I yeah. have a brother, um, Kelly, who played football and ran track at Lancaster and was, like I said, on the state championship team in 1980. He went on to play football at Muskingum. And my sister um, is um, in the Dayton Yellow Springs area. And she remarkably started her business with one bag of balloons. And now she does children's television shows all over the country, children's birthday parties. She has an entertainment company, Kaleidoscope Entertainment. So she's done great, too. Her daughter, Kayla, um, is very, very involved at High Point University. We're proud of her. So, you know, the family has had um, worldly success, but they're also really, really good, godly folks, and and that makes me proud of them. Uh, No question about that. Uh, There are uh, wonderful things, and let's face it, uh, you and I love sports, right? Uh, We think uh, it has so much value that it adds to a person's life and to our world and community and all of that, but all of that is eventually going to go away, and uh, we need to have um, something eternal uh, that is our focus, and your family's done a great job of focusing on what matters most, while also enjoying some of the great things uh, that uh, sports has to offer as well. Kind of what this uh, podcast is about, right? The Sports and Spirituality Show. Uh, Both prongs of our purpose being uh, hit here today on this interview uh, for sure. So I really appreciate you coming um, on the program. I I wasn't actually um, planning to go down the family tree route there, but uh, uh, that's good stuff right there and I really appreciate you sharing. Uh, Staying in the family tree route, this has not Nothing to do with our interview, but my cousin is Chris Kern. Um, is that right? Yeah. Uh, now, it's Chris with a C-H-R-I-S. I think maybe you, you spell yours with a K. Is that right? I do. Mine's K-R-I-S. Yes. And my hunch is probably not related because he wasn't much of an athlete. So, uh, <laughs> we probably were well, I don't know. that There could be Kern family trees out there that aren't great athletes. You know, one thing I wanted to interject at this point, um, you talked about athletics don't last forever and and one thing i want to point out to anyone listening you the ball is going to stop bouncing and when connor's ball stopped bouncing i looked around and didn't know what to do i never missed my son playing basketball you know i went to china he was on team usa um rome and milan italy i even coached him team usa in milan and rome italy i've traveled all over the world as team usa coach Australia, New Zealand, China, England, Wales. But when the ball stops bouncing, parents sometimes have a harder time with it than the young people. And all the parents that think that these little league games and middle school and high school games are the end of the world and they're going crazy on referees and all that stuff, it's really, really important to understand that that your children are going to grow up and they're going to remember all that. And it's important that when the ball stops bouncing and when the, the rides to practice no longer need to happen, you're going to still have to be a parent. And it's, it's a transition. You know, my son played a lot longer than most kids. Started at upward basketball at five years old and ended up on ESPN every week. So um, I, I was blessed. But this, this time of year, I look around at Steph and, and, and wonder what I'm supposed to be doing because I, I'm so used to going all over 
the country and all over the world watching basketball. Yeah, it's a very important point that you make. My wife and I are experiencing that uh, even now. Uh, our youngest child, a son, uh, was an outstanding football player and a basketball player, and, uh, and then he ran track. But after that last track meet, um, he joined the United States Marines. He's finishing up his training down at Paris Island. And uh, we don't go to football games or basketball games or track meets uh, to watch our son anymore. That's uh, that's over. Um, and so... Uh, uh, to your point, it is so important to invest in the life of the child and not make it about the sport. Um, you know this better than most, but uh, many, many parents think their kid's going to be the next LeBron James or, uh, you know, outstanding uh, female athlete Katie Smith or whatever, and that's just not the case. Um, most of them are going to go get a job or go in the military or go to college and not play that sport ever again. They're always going to be your child. And it's really important to invest in that, isn't it? Well, it is. And, and you were just made a tremendous point that people don't think of. You know that 1% of high school players play in college. And 0.0001% play Division One. My son was blessed to get out of college not owing for a pencil. But all these parents throwing all this money at camps and um, private lessons. They need to evaluate their child and see if there's any possibility of that. And if there's not, they need to put the money that they're wasting on lessons and clubs and travel and all that. And you have to remember not just the fee for the travel sport, but hotels, food, all that stuff. Yep. If you put that into a good money market, by the time your kid is old enough to go to college, You'll have enough money in there. And exactly. The fact remains, I, I talk to recruits every day of my life, and I tell them there are millions of you and very few of me. So getting to college, if, if a young person gets a scholarship or gets a partial scholarship to play athletics, they're going to get a lot more money, Steve, for their academics. So parents need to invest the money that they throw away on on chasing the dream of being the next LeBron James, to your point, or Michael Jordan, or Rex Kern, or Connor Kern. You, you know, very many, not very many people are able to say they had a free education. So it's important that they put money back because what happens is they don't put money back and then their, their children are getting out of college with, a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars worth of debt in student loans, and they never get out from underneath it. Right. Uh, and then they meet somebody, uh, fall in love, they get married. That person has a couple of hundred thousand dollars in debt. They're trying to buy a house and a car, and they're a half a yep. million dollars in the hole, and they're just getting started. Yeah, that, you know, that's the point people need to get. And I, I try to tell as many people as I can that even, even Casey, his two kids are really good athletes. Connor, when he was growing up, was not tall. Well, he went from 5'9 in eighth grade to 6'5 and was the best, one of the best shooting guards in the country, Division One, and certainly was the best three-point shooter in the state of Ohio his junior and senior year. Well, I don't know if Casey's kids are going to be 6'5". So he and everyone else needs to be realistic. I, I talk about staying in your lane. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, you can't even imagine how thankful I am that Connor grew to that size. And, but Connor, it was a self-made player. I never had to get on him to work out. He wanted to train with me every single day. We would shoot 500 to 1,000 shots before and after practice, and he'd go through a practice with Jerry Francis. Yeah. Um, but but kids aren't like that anymore. They're, the kids are, you know, video games, and kids are, are staying in the house. Um, I remember up on Linwood Lane, the, the, the mud in our yard from where we would play football or dribble basketball and shoot baskets in the mud. Kids aren't doing that anymore. Yeah. And Connor, Connor was fortunate enough to have me as his dad that had keys to every gym wherever I coached. So he got to work out inside – but kids don't practice like they used to. Not very many of them. 
Right. And if you can't practice, you can't shoot it. Uh, you know, kids need to practice all the time if they have that dream. Exactly. But parents, parents need to 100% truly evaluate what their kid is an, as an athlete and don't listen to these private trainers and these private lesson coaches. They want your money. Yeah. And, and it's important that you, that you truly evaluate um, what level your, your kid is because, you know, I, I've seen quotes on Facebook, don't get a, overly excited no college coach will be at your eight and under t-ball game this weekend <laughs> like people people are crazy steve i'm they telling you the, the amount of people that reach out to me hey keep an eye on my kid i know they're only in sixth grade but this kid can serve overhand well yeah. they, that's that's really good but <laughs> everyone everyone in the country kids come to me on my team and say why am I not getting to play? I was the best player on my high school team. And I simply say to them, so is everyone else on this team. Exactly. Um, if you get to the college level, everyone is really good. And it's hard to win in college as a coach. Everyone, it's their full-time job. And if you don't win, you get fired. Right. And everybody has scholarship players. Everyone has great facilities. So you have to be able to recruit. Um you have to be able to retain student athletes and you need to be able to um, evaluate talent years in advance. So parents need to do the same thing. They need to evaluate if their kid is truly going to go to a trade school, which is nothing, all that go on to college, go get a job. Um, are they D three? Are they D two? Are they NAI? Are they division one? They have to be, they have to be really, really uh, able to put blinders on and look at just their kid and where they stack up because kids that are the top athlete in sixth grade rarely are the best high school players because the other kids grow to their size. Exactly. That is very, very true. I guess once a coach, always a coach. So uh, <laughs> you're trying yeah. to coach up these uh, family members uh, to have realistic expectations, and I think that's super wise. So when did you realize, um, hey, I kind of like um, coaching athletics? Oh, you remember the moment that that happened? It was really funny. Somebody brought it up the Hall of Fame post the other day. Somebody said, do you remember? And I truly do. I had a little – I was coaching Barry's Bobcats, which is East School's little bitty league team. Uh-huh. And um, I held a camp one summer on a bent rim over on East, East School's blacktop parking lot. And um, he made, you know, made like 50 bucks. <laughs> and I started coaching bitty basketball, then little league baseball, then um, advanced to uh, travel pony league baseball. And I, you know, I was a decent player, um, one of the um, better players in soccer back in the day at Lancaster. But I ran track, and you know, forty forty five years ago was was pretty fast as a track runner cross country I did okay basketball wasn't great but I loved it baseball pretty good but I was never great at anything so I went to play soccer at uh, Mount Union Division 3 and my mother at the time asked me to quit going to college to help raise my three siblings and, and back in those days that's what you did so even though I wanted to coach I had to help raise my brothers and sisters so um, I got them all through college and took myself 40 years to get a four-year degree. Um, then just last month, finished up my master's, a two-year program in one year with a 4.0, and have done all of that while coaching. I never took a year off. I coached 42 straight years so far. Um, and I think coaching... I, I always knew a lot more about basketball and baseball coaching. Uh, little known fact, I started the OUL baseball program, and we went 40-0 and and won their only two um, championships in baseball at OU Lancaster. How about that? Um, but, um, 
yeah, I've, I've coached forever, and I, I coached Casey. I remember him in the driveway if he'd miss a foul shot. Um, I made him run around the house in, in the mud. <laughs> so if he missed, he had to run? Is that the deal? Yeah, and he was the best free throw shooter um, in the area in high school. And then Connor, same thing. Um, it got to the point where Connor was shooting foul shots with his eyes closed. He made a 116 out of 119 his senior year, um, led Central Ohio and was number two in the state in free throw shooting. So that was always a, a, a trademark of the Kern boys. And I see Cam, Connor's son, spin the ball now and put his finger on the valve um, of the ball and shoot. So I smile when I see videos of that because that was a, a, a technique that I thought of back when Casey was playing and passed it on to Connor, and now they've passed it on to Cam. Yeah. So so that's it's, it's good stuff, man. As you get older, of course, your, your health deteriorates here and there. But I'm thankful I'm still able to hang out with young people at the college level. Um, probably won more games in my life than anybody ever from Lancaster in any sport. Um, but I, I look at it like you've, you've coached 42 years. Um, you've had to have good players and, and good assistant coaches. And I remember Arden Reed, who was the basketball coach at Lancaster for quite a few years, I was pretty full of myself when I was 18 or 19 coaching Little League. And he said, well, you'd always remember there's no circus without the animals. So <laughs> if, you, if you think you're a great coach, just get out in the middle of the ring at a circus with, with a really tall ringmaster hat. But if there's no animals, nobody's coming to watch the circus. And I've never forgotten that. Yeah. So to get to 909 wins, I've had to have some great players and, and um that all started back at Worley, and it, it's now is continuing at the NAIA Division One level at the University of Pikeville, and and uh, you know seeing seeing players come back. Like I'm really excited for this Hall of Fame ceremony in Lancaster in February. We're going to have a get together um, with literally dozens and dozens and dozens of my former players. Um, it it could be it could be an amazing night and I, I i can't wait for that a lot of people have said well it's about time you got in that hall of fame you should have been in that, in that hall of fame a long time ago and i you know i i don't know if i should have been in earlier but i'm really really thankful to be in now and um it, the, the fact of the matter is now my son is old enough to enjoy it with me um i think halls of fame are great as long as you get in them before you die if people get put in halls of fame after they've passed away, I just don't think it's the same. I don't think you, you're you able to enjoy it with your children, with your family, with your former players. So, I, you know, I think getting in at this time, um, God's will and Chris's will sometimes are much different. <laughs> yes. And, uh, so as soon as we can figure out how to adjust to that, that's good. So maybe it was my will to get in this, Hall of Fame earlier. Um, I wish my mom was still alive to see it because, you know, she she graduated from high school. But walking down the hallways at Lancaster as a student and then coaching in that gym, I remember holding Connor up to try to make his first basket um, when he was just a baby in Lancaster's gym when I was coaching there. And then to watch him dunk in Lancaster's gym as a period of central player. Um, so student, then coach, then dad, now Hall of Famer. Um, that's good stuff. Yeah, it is great stuff right there. Congratulations on getting into the Lancaster High School Hall of Fame. I think they call it the Wall of Honor. And mm -hmm. I saw you post something about uh, it. Uh, it's named after your buddy. Yeah, Gary Muller um, hired me. I was at Kenyon College in my early 20s. Uh, mid-20s maybe, I don't remember, but um, I wanted to get back home, and, and Gary wanted to give me that job for a couple years. Um, when my team at Worley went to the state championship in 1990, the regional finals happened to be at Lancaster, and I remember Gary giving me the trophy, and, and he was proud that I was from Lancaster, 
but really didn't know me that well. And uh, Gary hired me, and um, I, you know, I coached there twelve or thirteen years. We won, um, I don't know, two, three hundred games there, and won a lot of championships in the OCC and district championships. Um, but he and I became um, a circle of friends, Jack Greathouse and uh, Jimmy Weir and, and Louis, you know, Tom McCurdy. I'm going to forget people, but Tom McCurdy was a football coach, just a great coaching staff. Um, and, and Gary beat cancer four different times, um, retired from Lancaster and had a terrible accident um, with one of his grandchildren, just a fluke thing. And, and they kept him on life support long enough for Jack to get in and for me to get in. Um, he was in Cincinnati uh, Christ Hospital, and he passed away. And Gary and I could go months without talking to each other. And every Wednesday at 1 o'clock, we would meet at the fairgrounds in Lancaster and watch the horse races. He loved the horse races. Yep. And we would go and spend a, an afternoon together and just uh, chew the fat about life and, and have a elephant ear and a lemon shake and, and just laugh and hug each other. And I, for some reason, I took a picture. Betty, I had Betty, his wife, take a picture um, one year of he and I at the fairgrounds. And it ended up being the last time. And I still, to this year, um, and those that are close to me know I still go up there no matter where I am. And this year was a five-hour drive one way. I still drive up there on Wednesdays, and I buy a um, horse racing program, and I put it on the seat next to me, and I bet the third horse in the seventh race, that was his favorite. I, and I, just, leave, I just leave the ticket laying on the chair, and um, that was a that was a that was an afternoon we shared, and, and I miss him every day of my life, and him – having the wall of honor named after him makes this I imagine it was the same way when Jack went into the wall of honor um, we just really give Gary a ton of credit for it and um, I, I just really it'll be an emotional night for me getting up on his wall of honor that's for sure yeah no question about it uh last question we do call this the sports and spirituality show you've talked about uh the importance of faith um how important is faith to you well i pray every day um i think everybody has a different way of praying and i remember the day connor was born i uh gary muller had given me some great advice I said, I really want Connor to grow up to be a good athlete. Every dad wants that. And one day in Gary's office, he said, I said, I pray every day about Connor being a good athlete. He said, you better pray every day that he becomes a good person. Um, so every day in the shower from the day Connor was born until this morning when I was getting ready for work, um, I pray for my son and, and me praying for him being a good athlete has gone away. Yep. But I also used to pl pray let Connor grow up to be a good athlete, but more importantly, let him grow up to be a good person like Gary says. And I said that in the shower every day. I think you have to pray in the good times and the bad times. A lot of people wait and pray when they're up against the wall or they have cancer or if their kid's in trouble, all those things. Um, I, I still tie that in a church in West Virginia. Um, my true spirituality started years ago um, in Lancaster at Geneva Hills, a little camp there. Um, but, but with Russell Johnson and Fairfield Christian Church, that I had been divorced um, from Connor's mom, and I was broken. And they have a, had a divorce recovery group there. Um, they had upward basketball for Connor, and kind of raised him in that church. And, and when Russell and Ken Mulpas and some of those guys left the church, of course, I moved away but found a great church, River Ridge, in Taze Valley in West Virginia. So I've found some great churches, um, but everyone has their own um, thing that they're looking for or their own feeling they're looking for in a church. And I think just like everything else, you have to find what, what nurtures your growth. And we all would like to have a deeper walk, but... I really, I really can say that um, 
my faith matters and every recruiting visit that people have with me I tell them that my program is based on faith, family, and academics well before volleyball. And so that sets the stage for if they want their child to play for me. Yeah, that's a great way to set the stage for sure. Well, thanks for coming on the Sports and Spirituality Show. Thank you for sharing a little bit about your life, uh, um, your success as um, a coach. Uh, thank you for your willingness uh, to um, be a part of people's lives, investing in them, using the skills, talents, and abilities you have to invest in their life to give them an opportunity to learn and grow and have success in their life. Um, congratulations on joining the Lancaster High School Hall of Fame. And we trust the Lord's blessing on you. I understand you may be having a, some physical challenges coming up in the near future, and we pray that the Lord gives you protection and help during that process as well. Uh, and you get back to doing the things that you love and are very successful at. We trust the Lord's blessing on every aspect of your life and family. Well, thank you very much. It's been, actually, I do interviews a lot. And this, this is um, a top five interview because you allowed me to um, speak on things that matter, my faith, my family, um, my academics, get my master's at this age, and, and the, a little bit of advice to give to parents and things. So the forum, I think you need, you need to um, realize how important your forum is, and, and it's been a pleasure to be able to be on the show with you today. Yeah, thanks a lot. That's Coach Chris Kern joining us on the Sports and Spirituality Show as he will be joining the Lancaster High School Hall of Fame in February. All right, Kelsey, what do you think about what Coach Chris Kern had to share? I feel like he shared um, a lot of great things, but a, a few of the things that stood out to me and really I could wrap them all up into like a category is I so appreciate how he called out specific people or places like Geneva Hills or um, the upward basketball program at Fairfield Christian Church. Like I think it's really beautiful how um, we have these moments or these experiences in our life that matter deeply to us. Um, and I think it's so easy for us to move on and forget about those things. A conversation he had with his good friend, right, who encouraged him to pray, not that his son would be a good athlete, but a good person. Um, I think that there's a lot of commands throughout scripture to remember what um, God has done. And I think that that's a spiritual discipline that I wish was talked about and practiced more often because I think that those are the, the building blocks of our faith to have seen how God worked at a specific place or it, through a specific person or a conversation or um, an upward basketball program, right? Um, a specific church at a specific time um, that builds our faith and makes us who we are. And so I thought he did a really beautiful job about um, recalling those meaningful uh, experiences to him. And I think that um, for him to pay honor and to name those people or places or things um, was really special. Yeah, no question. And uh, he liked uh, the format that we have here. Uh, you and I like this format as well. <laughs> um, but uh, really, from a, an interview standpoint, I try to open the microphones and let them share what is what they're passionate about and, sure. and let them kind of guide the thing. Yes, we have questions for them and, mm -hmm. and want to know certain information about them, uh, but let's let them uh, lead that. And he seemed to enjoy that aspect of it as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, that will conclude episode 104 of the Sports and Spirituality Show. Uh, what do you think about sticking around for 105? Yeah. Yeah? Sure. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, sure. All right. Uh, not, not the strongest uh, response, but quite frankly stronger than many of the others. So <laughs> um, I'm going to count that as a win. Uh, thank you for the extreme energy and enthusiasm you've brought to uh, show 104 and how excited you are about 105. Yeah, that's what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah, you are definitely here for it, and you need to be get better at it. So um, that's Kelsey Bowles. She's with the Tree Young Adults. I'm Steve Rauer. So thankful for people like Greg and Mitz Price at Price Custom Homes for sponsoring the Sports and Spirituality Show. 
Bryce Custom Homes can help you from the beginning, middle, and end of the building process, and they would love to hear from you. You can get more information by going to their website, PriceCustomHomes.com. Thanks, Greg and Mitch Price, for sponsoring the Sports and Spirituality Show um, here. And a special thank you to Mike O'Reilly of WLRY 88.9 Radio for Life for airing it every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. And thank you for listening and joining us for episode 104 of the sass we look forward excitedly just like kelsey uh, for episode 105 of the sports and spirituality show